Welcome to the Cody Felger Podcast, a podcast dedicated to talking Colts football. Here is your host, Cody Felger. Welcome back to the Cody Felger Podcast. And yesterday the Colts fell to the Browns by a score of 21 to 18. Uh, obviously the Colts wrapped up their second preseason game of the year, so now they're 0-2 in the preseason. Not that that really matters, as we don't really pay attention to the score as much as we just pay attention to the players. And if you're not familiar with how the preseason works, basically right now the Colts have 90 people on their roster, and by the end of week four, by the end of the preseason, they need to get that down to 53. So really, what the preseason is, is yes, you get to look at your starters a little bit, but mainly it's for those guys who are trying to make the roster, you know, make that final 53-man roster and kind of determining uh, who stays on this roster, who stays on the practice squad, and who just gets cut and tries to find a new home. And so um, I thought today we could look at and review the preseason game and kind of look at some players who we thought first stood out in a positive way who maybe helped themselves um, in the pursuit to make this Colts roster. And then we could talk about, like, also talk about players who stood out in not so positive way and kind of look at players who struggled in the second preseason game and then kind of talk about the implications of the roster spots to some of those roster battles at the at the back end of the roster and so um, I think I'll start in first and Andrew you're here with me um, and we're just going to talk about and look at some of these players that we stood out and so the first guy that stood out to me um, he had a pretty strong he's had a pretty strong camp um, he's a guy that's probably not going to be a starter in 2019, a former second-round pick last year of Chris Ballard, uh, defensive end Kimoko Ture. And I thought Kimoko, you know, I, we've heard from different Colts reporters and stuff that Ture's had a pretty strong camp, um, but we didn't really see that in the first preseason game against the Bills. Uh, but uh, yesterday, Kimoko Ture was a force on defense. I mean, I think he had a tackle for loss. He had a sack. Um, he looked really, really good. And I know that Frank Reich and... Um, when he was interviewed early, uh, earlier today, was really high on him and also Ben Banigou, the uh, second-round pick of this year. Um, both pass rushers, both young pass rushers. But, Andrew, you got to love what Kamoko Ture brought yesterday and how he's had a strong strong camp so far for the second-year pro. For sure, Cody. Ture was certainly one of those players amongst many others that stood out in last, or excuse me, yesterday's preseason game. You know, he had four sacks last season. He's been working with Robert Mathis in the offseason, working on those pass rushing moves. And I think that uh, if he can stay healthy this season, I think he's certainly going to be one of our better pass rushers uh, on our defensive line this season. Yeah, and the next guy that I thought really had a strong game yesterday was Deion Kane. And so Deion Kane, if, you did, if you're not familiar, he was a sixth-round pick of the Colts in 2018. Um, He tore his ACL the first preseason game last year, and so he was out for the entire year, obviously. Um, But he's looked pretty strong. I know he's had a strong camp. I thought he looked pretty good in the first preseason game. I mean, he only had a couple catches. Uh, But this preseason game, Andrew, Deion Kane really, really broke out, I think. And I think, honestly, if he wasn't a lock already, I think he's a lock now to make this Colts roster. Um, Because if you're not familiar of who Deion Kane is, um, he was actually the wide receiver at Clemson when Deshaun Watson was there and when Clemson was really good. Um, and somehow he fell to the sixth round. And I think the Colts are still or were amazed when he fell to the sixth round. But I think there was potentially some character concerns there with Deion Kane, But he certainly flashed. And I think that he's primed now to have a st- potentially strong season. You know, he's probably going to be the number four, number five wide receiver. Um, so when he does get when he does. Um, make the team you know if he does make the team I think that he has a potential to you know if somebody unfortunately goes down I think Deion Kane has a chance to really ascend and I think last year from what I heard Deion Kane was 
you know, potentially going to be that number two wide receiver for the Colts. Everything was trending towards him being that at some point in the season. And then unfortunately, like I mentioned, he went down with that injury. Um, but Deion Kane, Andrew, is a guy who, I mean, I think he had like seven catches, 80 yards, really showed flashes. And again, he's still recovering. And Frank Reich has talked about this, how he's still easing him into the lineup. But I thought all in all, Deion Kane had a solid game yesterday and really is starting to ascend in this Colts wide receiver core. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you there, Cody. I think Deion Kane really, really stood out yesterday. As you mentioned, seven catches, 80 yards. And he's certainly on the up and up in regards to competing for a, a roster spot. Uh, but another guy that really stood out to me and caught my attention yesterday, and he's actually played very well the last couple of games, was Chad Kelly, who was 15 of 17 yesterday for 115 yards and a touchdown. And then last week against Buffalo, if you remember, he had that 20-plus yard rushing touchdown as well. Um, he is suspended for the first couple of games, so maybe if Andrew Luck isn't healthy going into the first couple of weeks. You look at a guy like Chad Kelly to maybe back up Jacoby Brissett, uh, but like I said, Kelly's certainly making a very, very strong case for maybe even a third, excuse me, a third quarterback spot uh, if you choose to keep three quarterbacks on the starting roster. Yet another guy that really stood out to me yesterday, Cody, was a guy in Hale Henches who played really, really well yesterday in both our run-blocking schemes uh, and as a pass catcher as well. And for those of you that don't know, Hale Henches was an undrafted free agent out of Alabama, and he certainly played really, really well over the last couple of games, as I said, as both a very strong run-blocker as well as a pass catcher. And I think he's making a very strong case for maybe a fourth tight end uh, slot on our 53-man roster. Yeah, Andrew, I'd have to agree with you. Hale Hentges definitely stands out to me. And he was a player I actually last week called my preseason MVP. And I think he's certainly making a strong case for it. Uh, So something that I think was interesting that Jack Doyle, actually, the Colts tight end, starting tight end, said yesterday is that he can compare Hale Hentges to himself, but he said he was even better. So he said uh, Hale Hentges is essentially Jack Doyle 2.0, but better. And I think that's that's very interesting because um, something that I think is really intriguing about this Colts tight end group um, is that the Colts kind of have two different types of guys, two sets of guys, if you will, um, in Mo Ali Cox and Eric Ebron, who are both, while Mo, Mo Ali Cox is a really good run blocker and Eric Ebron, not so much. Um, they're both very physically gifted, very physical freaks, whereas Jack Doyle and Hale Hinchis, while they may not be that, they're kind of like the jack, they're jack of all trades type guys, you know, kind of that Swiss Army knife, like we've talked about, um, where they can. Yes, they're really good at run blocking, but they're actually pretty good receivers as well. Um, so it's interesting now because I think that Hentges we saw yesterday, he lined up as the H back um, and really I thought played really well, um, and he's kind of competing with Ross Travis, I think, a little bit, who's another guy that could potentially make the roster, who he scored a touchdown yesterday. It was good to see him in and actually doing something good. Um, and so, yeah, but I think Hale Hinge just really stood out to me. He's one of my favorite players. Um, he, I think he's just that solid player that can do everything for you, and you saw him make a couple clutch catches yesterday. I think he actually caught uh, the two-point when the Colts went for two points. Um, he actually caught the two-point conversion, uh, so kind of showing that he can do. Yes, he's a really good run blocker, but he's also a good receiver, and so I think that's what the Colts like. He's, I think the Colts really look at him as like a younger Jack Doyle-type player, um, which you can't go wrong. Jack Doyle is a pro bowler, and he's been one of the most consistent players on this Colts offense for the last couple years, and so um, Hale Hinches is definitely a guy that I really like a lot and I think the Colts really like a lot and I think at the very least they'd like to have him on their practice squad for sure Um, but if they do decide to keep four tight ends then I think he's certainly um, right now on the inside track to win that number four tight end position and now it's time for us to look unfortunately at the guys who stood out in a not so good way 
some of the losers from last night's game. Um, and I'll start I'll start with a, a couple people from the same position, and I'll start with a guy who was drafted this year by the Colts in the fifth round. Um, he was a converted free safety. Um, he played free safety at USC, and that's Marvell Tell. Um, he was a fifth-round pick, like I mentioned, and I thought overall he had a nice pass breakup at the end of the game, but I think overall he was beaten multiple times um, on long balls, and he just kind of looked lost out there. And I think right now Tell's probably not going to make the final 53-man roster, um, so it doesn't really matter. Um, but he couldn't, you know, that that certainly was a little bit discouraging from a guy like Tell who has all the physical tools to be there, but he's still very raw. I thought it wasn't a good day for Tell, and also I thought it wasn't a good day, and really it hasn't been a good camp for Jalen Collins at all. He got beat on a touchdown. Um, he really just has not been the player that we thought he could be or should be. I mean, he was a former second-round pick. He started on a Super Bowl team a couple years ago, and he's just had an awful, awful time. I don't know what the reason is for it. Maybe he just needs to get out of his own head, but I certainly don't think he's going to make this final 53-man roster. And It's a bummer from a guy as talented as Collins, but it's just been a rough go for Collins. Um, these weeks of camp and these two weeks now of the preseason, I thought he's looked really, really poor overall. So those are my two losers. And Andrew, you're going to talk about another position group and some losers from that as well. So go ahead and take it away. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you there, Cody, but I'm going to switch gears here. I'm going to I'm going to go on the offensive side of the ball, and I'm going to talk about the offensive line a little bit, and as far as the running game is concerned. Uh, Josh Andrews specifically, the backup left guard who, who filled in for Quentin Nelson yesterday. Uh, for those that are curious, by the way, Quentin Nelson did return to practice on, I believe, Thursday or Friday. Uh, so I think he'll be good to go for this upcoming preseason game against the Bears. However, with Josh Andrews filling in, uh, I just think that he, I think uh, much like the defensive backs that Cody had mentioned, I think it's going to be really tough for him to make the starting roster. I personally uh, like Evan Bame quite a bit, who filled in for Ryan Kelly when he went down a couple games last season. I think he has a potential chance to be that backup left guard uh, and center as well. And then another guy uh, besides Andrews who I think kind of struggled a little bit was LaRaven Clark, who, if those of you that don't remember, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he was a third-round pick, uh, I think two or three years ago, out of Texas Tech. And I think he's just had a really, really rough time uh, since being drafted, and he's... I think kind of one of those players that's maybe on the hot seat a little bit, uh, along with Andrews and some of those defensive backs. And it's unfortunate, and you hate to see it, because I think everybody has different and unique talents. I just think it works out for some others, and or it works out for some, and not so much for others, I should say. And with Josh Andrews and LaRaven Clark kind of playing as poorly as they did, um, you know, like I said, I think it's going to be very difficult for them to make this starting roster. So the question remains, what does that mean for these two position groups, the cornerback group and the offensive line group? And I'll talk about the cornerback group really fast. So, man, I got to think that the Colts obviously keep Pierre Desir, Kenny Moore, Quincy Wilson, and Rocky Asin. And honestly, I think the number five position right now would probably go to a guy like Nate Hairston, who is a solid corner. He hasn't really been great, but he hasn't been poor either. Um, and he can also play special teams, which is key. Um, and then honestly, if you want to keep six, I'd probably go with Chris Milton, who is the special teams ace for the Colts. I think last uh, last night at the game he played, um, he had a strong outing. I thought he played well on special teams in particular. 
Um, so I think you just got to go with those guys. And because I don't think Jalen Collins or Marvell Tell right now, especially Collins, um, have shown that they belong in this Colts roster at all. And so I would think that if you keep five corners, you keep those guys I said, and if you get, keep six, you keep Chris Milton for special teams. That's probably my opinion on the Colts cornerback group. Um, Andrew, what do you think about the offensive line group? I think I'd have to agree with you there, Cody, as far as the defensive backs are concerned. Now, as far as the offensive line goes, um, guys like, like I said, Josh Andrews and LaRaven Clark really struggled, and I think it's going to be extremely difficult for them to make this roster. Now, that said, um, offensive linemen are hard to find, especially solid backups, and I look at a guy like maybe Joe Haig to fill in as that backup left tackle. I think people forget Anthony Costanzo missed, I think it was five games last season, and in Joe Haig stepped in and played very, very well at that left tackle spot. Uh, and he's versatile, too. I think he can play from what Chris Ballard said. He's sort of that Swiss Army knife, if you will, on the offensive line. He can play all five positions. So I think it'd be really tough to get rid of a guy like Haig. So when I look at players like Joe Haig and Evan Bame, I certainly see them to be more adequate and, and suitable backups than, you, let's say, a LaRaven Clark or even a Josh Andrews. Yeah, and like you mentioned, it's hard to find good backup offensive linemen. And so I think the question remains for me, if those guys continue to struggle, do you look at potentially making a waiver claim for a backup left tackle? Or do you make a trade trying to get a solid backup interior offensive lineman? Because those guys are so valuable. And we saw it last year, like you mentioned, with Evan Bame. When Ryan Kelly went down, uh, Evan Bame stepped in and played pretty well, I think, all things considered. And so, um, you know, say a guy like Mark Lewinsky or Quentin Nelson goes down for a game or two, like, I don't think right now you'd feel comfortable with a guy like Josh Andrews stepping in there, especially considering his performance last night. Um, and so the question remains, you know, do you try to find another guy that you're comfortable enough with that you could get by for a game or two with them? Um, you know, and specifically a left tackle, arguably the most important position on the offensive line. You know, if Anthony Costanza goes down again, like he did last year for a couple games, do you trust LaRaven Clark to protect your franchise quarterbacks, you know, blindside for four or five games again? I mean, I certainly wouldn't. Um, and I think he played pretty well last season, but I mean, <laughs> if these last two games have been any sign of things to come, I don't feel comfortable with him being the left tackle of the future, especially, you know, if Costanza goes down, I don't feel comfortable with him at all. Um, so I think you've got to potentially look at doing that with however way you want to find that backup left tackle, that backup interior offensive lineman. I think you simply have to do it. You can't ignore this. I think that is the most glaring weakness on the Colts' offense, I would say, is just more depth on the offensive line. So I think certainly that's something to look out for. Um, Chris Ballard obviously has made a couple good waiver claims the last couple years, and so maybe potentially he could do that for the offensive line again this year. So that's something to look at. And, uh, yeah, I think that about wraps up this podcast. Uh, The Colts are going to play the Bears, like Andrew mentioned, for Week 3, so it'll be interesting to see um, how that goes. We'll have definitely have a preview out. Um, this week's at some point and uh, yeah I'm excited to see now um, how these players continue to perform and and we'll be back and at it pretty soon so thanks guys and go Colts